the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It is great to be with you. Thank you for joining us. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email there, but also all these great interviews we do and segments are over there in standalone links. You can get them and uh, listen. Uh, Also, you can find the podcast, Pro-America Report with Ed Martin, anywhere you get podcasts. Um, March for Life. You know, I don't remember, I, I can't recall the exact year, the first time, that I went to the March for Life, but I do remember the the experience. Um, it probably was the eight, uh, 90s. It was probably sometime in the late 90s. I can't be sure what year, but I got on a bus in St. Louis, and we went to the March for Life, and we arrived in time to be at the March for Life for about eight hours, then got back on the bus and went home. Now, that's a young man's game, right, or a young woman's game uh, to go and stay, sleep in the bus as you as you drive, and then go out and march and all. Uh, but lots of people did it. As I recall, there were three or four or five buses. I think it must have been four for sure. I can picture it. The pickup point was down at the Arch in St. Louis, and we drove and. There were lots of families. At the time, I was a single, and uh, I, I think as I watched, as I got in the bus, um, you know, I had a bag. I had some snacks, I think. I had, I think it was pre-Blackberry or phone, so I don't know. I probably had a flip phone or a phone, but no smartphone. Probably had a book. Um, but I remember seeing families, and, you know, they had kids uh, with them. Mom was going, or mom and dad, or dad and the kids. And there were high school kids uh, with their parents and grammar school. Well, all these years later now, I've got my own kids, and they're going to the March for Life. And uh, But at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, look at those people. Now I am those people, right, the parents. But it was a great experience because it made you pause your life for two days and be on a bus thinking about where you were going. I mean, it almost doesn't take that long to get anywhere anymore, right? I mean, I guess if you drive cross country or you decide you're going to go to the Grand Canyon from St. Louis, you you know, it takes a day and a half to drive out there, you know, whatever. Or So I guess on vacation, you'll sometimes drive. But there's nothing that takes that long anymore because everything's so fast. And most of the times you're flying. And there's something about the destination event and your mind is just geared toward. And I, again, as I recall on those buses, and that, that, by the way, the reason I'm telling you this is there are hundreds and hundreds of buses that have been going across the country to get to the March for Life. As always, the March for Life is in Washington, D.C. on the mall. And it happened on the, a, a Friday, the, the 21st this year um, of January. And lots of people going on the buses. Lots of people now. They got their smartphone. They're watching a movie. They're watching, uh, you know, Netflix. They're they're calling their friends. They're FaceTiming home. All that stuff. Uh, back then, you didn't have any of that. And the the point of it, my, my point in re- remembering this was, I don't recall, by the way, like lots of prayer or lots of um, uh, focused uh, programming of the event. I don't recall. That could have been some, but I don't recall. I just recall being aware, and I had some friends, more work colleagues, people that were in the pro-life effort, um, so no buddies or, or, or pals, and just thinking, and the whole thing was focused on your destination and then returning. And it clarified the mind a bit. 
you because you just had nothing else to think of. I, I remember that. And so in these days, we've had a bunch of interviews with pro-life folks. And what you need to know is the pro-life movement is never at an end. It, it has, in some sense, the uh, pro, uh, you know, the abortion, the anti-abortion, the, the uh, fight against the pro-aborts has a beginning. Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton, 1973, January 22nd, where they made up this abortion right. But before that, there was before that date, there was an argument happening about abortion. And all these decades later, the argument about abortion, forget that. Go talk about the argument about life. And the argument about life, and the late Phyllis Schlafly talked about this, and she wrote about her efforts to keep the uh, one of the two major political parties, in this case the Republican Party, pro-life. She worked to keep the pro-life plank in the platform, um, and, she, and she spoke on this subject of how um, technology changed the whole debate, right? By the time you got into the 90s, you started to have the ability to uh, to do basic ultrasounds. And into the 2000s, you had ultrasounds machines, ultrasound machines with, they were common. You know, they weren't just in, in major, they were, ultrasounds existed before not in 2000, but now they were able to, you could buy one. And the Knights of Columbus in your church uh, in parish or the, the local pregnancy resource center could, could, could purchase one. And people started to see an ultrasound. Then there were 3D ultrasounds. Then the 3D ultrasounds had sound. And they so you weren't just looking at 10 seconds. You could look at minutes of a baby and you could hear the baby gurgling and, and you know, moving around and heartbeat. So uh, the, the moment we're in for the life movement is really key because more and more people are persuaded by the science and by the arguments that this is a life, that these babies are lives. And yet around us, the culture is as decadent as ever in terms of sexuality. And so we have we don't have any lessening of the problem of uh, of of women vulnerable or relationships uh, shallow and the the horrendous difficulty of an unwanted pregnancy, quote unquote, where someone is trying to decide what to do and they're scared. That all exists Probably like it's always existed. Maybe worse. I don't know. I don't know how to quantify that. I mean, there are people uh, that can tell us what the numbers are in polling and all. But here's what I want to tell you, what you need to know today. Life matters. Life matters. And life matters because it, it, it permeates through everything we do. I think it was Mother Teresa who was famous for saying when you drop an atomic bomb and, and liquid, li- liquidate uh, 100,000 people, um, it has an effect on how you see life. And she went on to talk about when, you, you know, when you're killing millions of kids in abortion, it has a way you look at life broadly um, and, and how you relate to people. And I think that's true. And my, you know, today's wink, what you need to know is life matters and we need to continue, no matter whether there's a, a Supreme Court decision in June or the FDA decides to allow chemical abortions to be mailed to homes, which they have, and Planned Parenthood decides to spend tens of millions of dollars to assist in mailing chemical abortions to people's houses, and all these kinds of things that are happening that seem not just daunting, but terrifying, not just uh, uh, terrible, but you know haunting your whole lives, and, and health, by the way, health-related, it makes you crazy to think about this, but... but we have to th- consider how life matters, and here's why. We are going to face, over the next 25 to 30 years, an extraordinary set of circumstances where we're going to have our seniors 
aging out with great technology and great medicine and having discussions about what life means. And if life is defined by the latest CMS or Medicare uh, uh, billing rate for hospice, you're going to find that we are disrespecting life in a way that was never contemplated in this country. Forget about this crazy movement for uh, assisted suicide. I mean, I think it's a terrible movement. Forget about that. That's a minor footnote compared to when Medicare uses the power of its dollars to incentivize end-of-life quote-unquote care for our seniors that is not less care and more end, right? I mean, you know, the, the, the hospice movement in the world really started by conservative Catholics, actually, and in America, one in particular who was based in uh, uh, Northern Virginia or at least the Northeast, and they talked about care and comfort, care and comfort, and cure was previous, right? You're not getting cured, but care and comfort, and the comfort was a, had a spiritual component. And, and here's, so let me back up. As people rode across the country on buses to get to the March for Life or flew out, or came down and drove in cars with their families or friends or whatever. It we have an opportunity to not just focus our our uh, attention on the bad decisions on abortion, but focus our lives on how life matters. It matters for our kids. I don't know if you've seen the viral video, the, the viral uh, vi- yeah video of a woman in in uh, in Great Britain. I think she was a college student at, and the beginning of the pandemic, and she. Br- breaks down into tears. She's this kind of um, articulate, uh, bright-eyed kid, but she's a kid. You could really young, maybe 20. And she breaks down on the camera and she's, she's weeping about how they took care of everybody else and they didn't take care of us, the kids. And you could, your heart breaks as you watch it. And you realize the impact on a life, on the lives of people. We have an epidemic of callousness to lives and to life matters. And we need to take the time to think to ourselves, not we never have to we can never stop the fight against abortion. Those are the innocent babies. But we have to also think to ourselves, how do we build the culture of life so that people understand as much as I love my dog, we have two dogs, Lady and Duke, and I love those dogs. I mean I love them. I can tell you another time about my theory about how animals and dogs especially are, are a gift from God. They're extraordinary. But they're not the same gift from God as a human being, as a person. They're just not. And we have to remember that and get to the center of things. Uh, you know, that in this, in this world where the culture is trying to divide us into hyphenated Americans and hyphenated groups, it's demeaning, depersonalizing, and ultimately not from God. So uh, as people have, I don't know, celebrates the wrong word, commemorated, the March for Life and these things, I just think to myself and say it to you, life matters, life matters, and our uh, uh, journey as people who love life and love babies and love uh, a, a set of values and a set of laws that comport with those values to protect life, we also have to be thinking how do we as a community figure out how to stop the demeaning of life and let me pause. I should wrap this up. I'm going too long. But there'll be a lot of talk, uh, accurately, about the horrendousness of sexual trafficking. That, that That is a problem. I understand it. And I understand how big it is. I mean, I understand how problematic it is and how terrifying it is. And, and how, frankly, the open borders uh, encourage it and other things encourage it. Uh, however, it's one problem. And it's a problem that you'll watch the politicians seize on because it has a certain cachet. 
it has a certain ease in describing it. Much harder problem is the problem of loneliness. And people whose lives are lonely and desperate and need not companionship, they need human touch and and human interaction and human flourishing. And so we have to be careful anyway. So uh, as as, uh, we celebrate life, what you need to know is life matters broadly across the board because it's a great gift from God. And so thank you to all those people who made the trip and uh, were at the March for Life. And uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and great to be with everybody again. Uh, I have been, as all of you know, I've been so pleased to be back and be uh, on the radio. And one of the things that I was looking forward to is talking to uh, my old friend Dan Gaynor. And uh, Dan is, of course, over at the Media Research Center, and um, he they do so many good things. If you go to their uh, website, you'll see, I mean, a million uh, kinds of uh, details. Their website is newsbusters.org is one of the places. As I go. Um, and but they announced an initiative that I wanted to ask him about that talked about congressional censorship. And so uh, I thought I needed to ask about that because we've been talking so much on the program and our my listeners, Dan, have been so um, now <laughs> I hate to say it there. They're they're. Um, They've been uh, they've been uh, brainwashed by me. I'm only half kidding because I talk about the narrative machine, big tech plus big media plus big government. They, that's the narrative machine. They force a narrative on the people, and and half of America believes something that's just totally not true. So uh, our uh, next guest is Dan Gaynor. He's uh, vice president uh, for Free Speech America and is at the Media Research Center. Uh, welcome, uh, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you for giving me a chance to talk about this, because this, I mean, look, we're in an election year. It doesn't get any more important than that. And the idea that big tech can censor our members of Congress can interfere in not just the presidential election, because we saw they did that to Trump, but interfere with elections across the board for every member of Congress is disturbing. So... We did a study last year where we, came, we, we analyzed all the censorship we knew about the different members of Congress. And right. I mean, it's, the, it's a lot of names you recognize. 18 different members of Congress have been censored. Uh, you know, Ron Johnson, Rand Paul, Massey, you know, uh, you know Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, obviously. Uh, we came up with a number, 54 to 1 Republicans over Democrats. Now, wow. that's just unacceptable to us. And frankly, I, you know, I'm going to say this, and I really mean it. All 54 were unacceptable, and the one is unacceptable. I don't want big tech interfering in our elections. So we decided, how do we, you know, we really want to do a thorough takedown of this. So we sent out a message, and we're going to continue to follow up on it, uh, reaching out to every congressional office, Republican, Democrat, Independent, we don't care. Uh, asking if they if they've been censored, if their key staffers, spokespeople, and of course, uh, campaigns have been censored, and we think this is really important because one, if Congress starts to realize, as as the eighteen congressmen and you know have have started to figure out that the censorship includes them too, mm-hmm. well, then maybe things change. Now, I mean, I. 
huge credit to Rand Paul, huge credit to Ron Johnson for, for the fight that they did. They, they've both worked with us on things. And Rand Paul did such a slam of YouTube the other day because they found out, you know, one of the reasons he had been suspended from YouTube was something that is factually correct now, according to the CDC. Right. Right. So, so I mean, I, that's the that's the world we live in right now, where a lot of these fact checks and a lot of these ways they censor you turn are proved wrong. Yeah. So, so our job is to not just alert uh, one political party or one type of member of Congress or one senator. Or it's to alert all of them. And if we can get them, you know, if we can change hearts and minds, you find a half dozen. Uh, people who might be on the other side find out they've been censored. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Dan Gaynor again, and uh, Dan is uh, the vice president over at uh, Media Research Center. And go to uh, newsbusters.org. You'll see a lot of this. And we're talking about an initiative that they're undertaking spe- specifically focused on congressional censorship. But, Dan, I want to ask you this, because this, this is your wheelhouse, is the media. And I mean, I talk about politics and policy, and I talk on the media, you know, in the, in the, in the radio and writing and all. But you, you know how this world works. The bigger question I have, I have is this, is that how, how it's, it's like the dog that didn't bark. You, you can see when they take down Rand Paul's tweet and you say, wait, that's not right. You can see when they throttle back somebody who's famous. You say, well, there goes uh, Ron Johnson. His tweets usually get retweeted 8,700 times. It got, that one got retweeted 100 times. There's something going on. But average Joe and Judy, who let's say they run for Congress and they're against an incumbent. And 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 let's be more cynical than maybe we should be, although I think I'm on track. And let's say that they're just opposing the person running for office. Forget Democrat or Republican. They're 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 opposing an, an incumbent, which means that person has power. And, and the people that want to curry influence with the powerful include the Facebooks or whatever meta, you know, and all and Google, especially. And so how do you how do we even know sort of who's been silenced because you might not even know that your voice was never allowed to be heard. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, it's impossible. So for people who don't spend a lot of time online, it is a simple, there's a simple difference between traditional media and online media. Uh, traditional media, I, I watch ABC, CBS, NBC here. You watch it in California. It's basically the same. Maybe they update the, the later showing or something slightly, but basically you're watching the same program, the same uh, segments. But online, you and I and everybody listening to this program right now, we can all follow the same people on Twitter, on Facebook, etc. And we still all see different information. And the reason for that is the, the word algorithm, which is just a funky word for a computer program written by human beings designed to interpret your actions and then right. you know, feedback what, they, what it thinks you want. So if I click on one of those posts and you don't, well, then I'm going to get more from that person or that organization. If I spend a long time, maybe I just leave my phone looking at something and I walk away, it thinks I'm really engaged with that. So I'm going to get more of that content. And so the the programs are written that way. Well, the programs are also in a black box, just like the kind of thing you'd see in an airplane. You know, they're not going to reveal it to us. Uh, There's there's talk right now about uh, data transparency. (laughs) <laughs> uh, or, the, or the more fun word, for term, fun term, algorithmic transparency. But what they want to do right now, what they're talking about in Congress, wouldn't help us at all. Right. What they're talking about is saying a, a 
approved part of the government, maybe the FTC, would allow some amount of the of the algorithms to be analyzed by approved researchers, which means you know they're not going to be on our side. Right, right. So, so and what I mean, what's got to be the the way to fix this is to let people design their own algorithm to say to tell Facebook, no, I don't want you telling me I only get four percent of the news organizations I follow. Because that's that's what they did. It used to be five, then they made it four. So you see, you everybody, everybody lost twenty percent of their of their Facebook followers just overnight. It's like there you go. You're, sorry, right, you're right. not gonna get not gonna you're gonna lose twenty percent of of the interaction you get on Facebook. So so I mean it's a, it's a very rigged game, and it's rigged because we're not allowed to see the rule book. There's also, and I mean this, there's a rule book at Facebook. That very public, it's massive. It's you know thousands and thousands of words of what you can do or not do. You could drive Patton's third army through this, you know, thing. <laughs> right. But beyond that, then there's a hidden rule book to interpret the official rule book, and we don't get to see the hidden rule book, and the hidden rule book is hundreds of pages long. Hmm. Um, uh, Dan, we're talking with Dan Gaynor and Dan, I, I only have a few minutes and I want to get, I want to get to this question. Cause I, I think only you are, are able to at least understand it. I'm not sure how to, an- how it'll be answered by the way, newsbusters.org is the website to go to a media research center. Uh, we're talking with Dan Gaynor, vice president there. Um, I, I, this is more of a partisan question. You, you, you guys, as you say, are, are trying to figure out for everybody, not, not for one party or the others. But I'm going to ask you sort of a partisan question. In, in the 2020 election, Democrats, after the fact, admitted that they spent hundreds of millions of dollars. In some cases, Zuckerberg spent 400 million. But but they spent and they called it fortifying the election, which they meant was they went out and they used as many as they, they, they and they say they never broke the law. They did everything else that they could within the law. They say I've, I've never met somebody that was this organized that stopped short of it. But fine. But I, don't, I can't can't prove it either. So here we are. But they said, we're going to fortify the election. We're going to increase the number by court orders of drop boxes of, of uh, people voting by mail, et cetera, et cetera. And they convinced themselves it was totally legal. They, they say that I, whether it was or not. Again, I can't say. Here's my question. 2022. You see the Democrats and the president of the United States a few days ago saying, uh, well, I don't know if the election will be um, uh, legitimate if we don't do something about uh, what I see developing. And why won't big tech and big media say to themselves, we're the arbiters of what truth is. It's not illegal for me at Facebook or Meta or Google to change the algorithm to absolutely silence voices on one side. I'm going to do that. And I'm fortifying the election. I'm using the law as it's designed to fortify the election because I know better than you do. How is that not almost certain? Well, I mean, it, you assume that it didn't happen last time. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, it can, because, you know, bear in mind, these companies all went on a turnout the vote crusade. And every media company in the country did, because they were working the theory that if you get motivated voters out, well, then they might lose. But if you get unmotivated, uneducated voters who have been bombarded with, with, big media propaganda, well, then they're going to vote their way. And so that was, but so Facebook claims and all these companies claim that they were neutral and they just gave it to everybody, encouraged everybody. We have no idea because we can't even see that algorithm. 
So, so, you know, for all we know, it could have gone, you know, we're going to post messages, but we're going to post 1.2 times the number of messages in liberal accounts because they know who's liberal, who's not. Right. But we're conservative. Now, did that happen? I have no idea. No one has an idea except Facebook employees, Google employees. You know, that's that's the danger here. And so ultimately, the reason why we're doing this thing and, we're, and monitoring all these examples on a website called censortrack.org, uh, spelled just the way it would, censor track, you know. Yep. Um, but the reason why we're doing this is because if nobody tracks these examples and we can't get involved now, then the concept of a free election, not just in the United States, but anywhere in the world goes out the window because big tech is so powerful. Facebook's got a couple billion people, a couple billion people. It's bigger. Right. Facebook is bigger you know, three, th- nearly 3 billion people, Facebook is bigger than the two most populous countries in the world. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's crazy. All right, Dan, I got to run, unfortunately. Dan Gaynor, he mentioned it, uh, and I will put it up on social media, www.censortrack.org. Censor as in, don't let them censor us. Censortrack.org, uh, a project, again, of the, the Great Media Research Center. And uh, you can also go to newsbusters.org, where they do a lot of stuff there. Uh, thank you, Dan, as always. We'll have you back on again. And uh, Keep up the good work. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with our own Noah Dingley. It's been far too long, partly because I was out, but also just been too long. So it's into the new year by a couple of weeks. We haven't had an update on uh, what he's thinking about the politics. I Larry Elder said he's not running for governor. That was uh, He was a Larry Elder guy early on, Noah Dingley. So we have our great segment, Noah Says. Welcome back, Noah Dingley. How are you, sir? It is great to be back, Ed, mainly because we need to give the people what they want. The thousands upon thousands of emails while you were away saying, I don't know what I'm going to do without my daily, almost daily dose of (laughs) Noah Says. It it was tremendous. We appreciate the support. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about me being on and being away. Well, that too. You you were just Andrea Uh, (laughs) Kay actually talking about you in a Crocodile Dundee outfit. We don't know where you went, but, you know, hopefully the, the, the walkabout was good, Ed. Well, um... Which reminds me, a side story, Crocodile Dundee, uh, very few people may realize that Noah Dingley in his long life and career now, he's got children that are grown, but he has been something of an aficionado of the Disney products. Now, up in the, is Disney World or Disneyland the one that's in L.A.? Disneyland is the one that's in L.A. We'll be going there actually here okay. in just a couple of weeks. So have they neutered those? They did it to like Br'er Rabbit or something, right? There's a ride there that they've now taken away or, or, or taken down because of political correctness. Has the has? I, I, but then I remember Disney. I think stood up for themselves and didn't get totally rolled by the political correct what, by culture. What what's going on with that? Well, the last I had heard, and maybe they've changed this, uh, but there was going to be in the Splash Mountain ride. So it's the one that you, you know, you get really wet, go up this big hill, go down into this flume of water. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing. You walk yeah. off and you have to walk off the, the wet all day. It's tremendous. My kids sucker me into right. that ride every time. Uh, it was the, the Brer, Bear, Brer, Rabbit 
Brer Fox story, The Song of the South. And so there was a lot of racial undertones with that. Right. And right, they got right, a lot of push right. that they needed to remove that from the ride. The last I had heard, they were actually going to do that. I believe it was sometime this year they were thinking about starting the process of transforming the ride into a new theme with still leaving the ride intact. Now, whether they go through with that or not, I have not heard that they're standing up for themselves and they're leaving that in place. I don't know what the progress is, Ed. That's right. That is. That's the one it was. It was. I, I was just confused because there's also Space Mountain, right? That's a different ride. Yeah, Space Mountain's uh, completely, you know, just dark. You're in space. It's spaceships. You really can't get a, uh, very yeah, politically correct with that. There's, I no, think that's <laughs> there's no political. Safe. Well, I mean, they got the gender neutral. Uh, you know, they just spent uh, millions of dollars that NASA did to get a gender neutral um, spacesuit. So who knows? They'll probably find some way. That's right. It was it was Splash Mountain. I do think they changed it. I think that they got rid of that song uh, just because they didn't want to be a fan. All right, but anyway, well, off of that now. I'll give uh, you an update here in a couple of weeks when I go if they're still in the old theme or if they've moved on. Yeah, I'm trying to find on the internet. It's not really telling me up to date. So we'll have to we'll have to wait for that update. All right, back to Noah Dingley. Noah says. Uh, we haven't talked in a, probably a month and a half since since Thanksgiving, at least two months, I bet. Uh, what's your feeling broadly? You listen to a lot of callers into the the Answer San Diego, Andrea K show, my show, your own work on the air uh, on the end of the pandemic, or said better, people's um, unwillingness to continue the kinds of uh, you know mandates and things. It feels like something's breaking, but I don't know. Well, what's your sense? Well, when you take the politicians out of the equation, which I think a lot of people have, Ed, and you start talking yeah. about follow the science, which a lot of people now, two years in, have really begun to do because they're over it. You know, they want to know if we're getting back to normal. And in the people's mind, I believe the answer is yes. You've seen Omicron come uh, and people are realizing it might be more contagious but at most, it's like you're getting a really bad flu. I'm not comparing it to the flu, but that's what it's like. And there's going to be a heck of a lot less death with that variant, because also as viruses evolve and numerous doctors have come out and said, as viruses mutate, they become less lethal. So they're over the lockdowns. They're over the masks, even though in California, Gavin Newsom has said, no, you, you know, in uh, indoor workplace environments, you got to wear that N95 through the Cal OSHA uh, decree. And, you know, that's to, to strike fear because they're losing the narrative, Ed. They realize people aren't buying what they're trying to sell. From a public standpoint, I think we're in a really good spot. And it'll be interesting to see what the politicians do uh, to try and continue to push the fear. A lot of them, I think, are starting to scale back because they realize the narrative is falling apart. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Noah Dingley. Noah says, uh, what about schools? I know your, your, your children are grown, but you have, uh, you have your, your finger on the pulse of some, uh, you know, hearing from folks. Schools, people, uh, you know, the, the Omicron spike gave uh, school districts and teachers unions in some places, Chicago is the most famous right now, an excuse to shut it down and go distance. Uh, now, I will say where I live, my kids are all in school. 
And it has been whipping through. Omicron has been whipping through. And it, and it is an illness, right? I mean, people do get sick. It's a, of course. Whether it's worse than the flu or not, I you know, forget. But it's not, it's not the end of the world for most kids. I, I have one friend who's got a daughter about 10 or 12 years old. She's been really, really sick. Okay, so there's there are cases you hear. But but my point is lots of schools have had, oh, my gosh, we got 20 cases. and we're But other places are saying, hey, this is our reason to stay locked down. And uh, it feels, again, like parents have had enough. Parents have had enough. You, you listen across the country. If you pay attention to a lot of these school board meetings that are taking place, pick your state. It does not matter. A lot of parents are standing up. They are saying, even kids, kids are coming to the microphone saying, I should not have to wear these masks for a virus that even if I get it, which is a very slim chance because the immune system of that particular age range, Ed, there is almost a 0% chance that I'm going to fall ill to this virus. So the mask mandates, the vi- the vaccine mandates, the not allowing kids to, in certain areas, go back to school in person, it is absurd. It needs to stop. And the parents believe this, and a lot of the kids are believing this too, and the child abuse needs needs to stop. Andrea Kay and I believe that wholeheartedly. What they are using the kids for to try and continue this narrative, and again, it's falling apart, is child abuse. It needs to end. And I think from at least the educational standpoint, you're seeing so much pushback. A lot of the schools are going to have to drop these mandates because parents aren't going to stand for it. And neither are the, the kids that are wanting to go to school. Uh, we're talking with Noah Dingley, uh, segments Noah says, uh, but, uh, sliding because time flies were to politics. Um, a lot of people, and, and Noah, Noah Dingley, of course, has uh, born and raised in the L.A. area, uh, lived down in San Diego for decades and, and uh, has, a, in my mind, the best uh, sense of California that I know. Um, we, you know, Larry Elder did not perform on the recall like some of us hoped or thought. Uh, we've had on the program Lan He Chen, who's a dynamic young guy, uh, you know, all the right credentials and all. He's running for controller in California. Uh, but we're watching the legislature in California create the congressional districts. They effectively got rid of Devin Nunes. Uh, you know, they're 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 grabbing everything they can. Uh, do you see any sort of uh, uh, sprouts uh, of uh, of hope that there's that, that California's got a a path to turn in 2022. I wish I had a lot more hope for you. Uh, I I really do. California. I mean, it's been called the land of fruits and nuts for quite some time. And mainly because, you know, the, the, the politically, I mean, we have just fallen off the deep end and back to Larry Elder for just a moment. He actually performed quite well. It was a lot of support on his end. It was just a lot of people that voted to keep Gavin Newsom in place. But he overwhelmingly beat all of the other candidates. And, you know, I am disappointed that he's not going to run again come the regular election this year. I think he would have a lot better shot. We'll see who else kind of puts their foot in the ring. Maybe Elder stands up and campaigns for this person. Is all hope lost? No, but it does look bleak. Democrats do have control of the state, Lonnie Chen. I'd love to see him continue his, you know, his path forward in California. He could have a lot to say as well. So, is it lost? No. Is it an uphill climb? It most definitely is. And the uh, and down and I, I don't think it's totally shaken out. But congressional seats, it doesn't look like there's a lot of um, uh, chance to pick up many seats, does it? No, I I, I don't think so. I, I think as far as that goes, we're not that we should just Where expect it. But it probably will stay status quo. And, you know, that's unfortunate. 
Uh, maybe we will get uh, that opportunity here in the in the near future to change things, but I don't think that that's going to be any time in the immediate future. All right, last uh, question. Um, the Chargers never made it. I think they're out of that. But I don't like football. But the Dodgers in 2022, baby. Oh, you here know. we go. <laughs> here we go with the Dodgers. All right. Noah says, everybody, thank you. Noah Dingley, as always, he does more work behind the scenes than anybody uh, in America. And, and I just want to say, sometimes we let him get tremendously uh, since Thanksgiving. So good job. Oh, uh, there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, Noah, Noah Dingley and Noah says, we'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. While violent criminals like the Waukesha Christmas Parade attacker are enabled to commit their crimes because of loose bail policies, Americans are being held without a trial or bail because of their nonviolent involvement in the January 6th protests. Jacob Chansley, the so-called shaman protester with a funny hat that had horns on it, was sentenced to 41 months in prison, 36 months of probation, and a $100 fine, all for a single nonviolent charge. His lengthy sentence is a setback to all who value our First Amendment rights. When sentences are enhanced because a protester humiliates public officials, all Americans suffer from that retaliation. Chansley's judge, Royce Lamberth was furious that Chansley appeared earlier this year on 60 Minutes. Chansley explained that I'm not a violent man. I'm not an insurrectionist. I'm certainly not a domestic terrorist. A jury would have probably agreed with him had he not pleaded guilty under pressure. The liberal website Politico speculates that Judge Lamberth even punished another defendant with a surprisingly harsh sentence because a different, already sentenced pro-Trump protester dared to speak out on Fox News. Defendants have a right to go on television, just like everyone else. Judge Lamberth told Chansley that he was looking at a sentence of 20 years, but both the sentencing guidelines and custom point instead to minimal sentences for political protests. Clearly, Lamberth was doing no favors for Chansley by sentencing him to 41 months in prison. Defendants should not be subjected to terrible conditions in an attempt to coerce pleas of guilt, but that's precisely what's happening in Washington, D.C. January 6 detainees are being denied reasonable bail and even ordinary visitations. Peaceful political protests in the Capitol should not result in long prison sentences that are not imposed on leftist protesters. It is in pivotal cases like this that due process under the law is especially important. Americans don't like double standards, and that's especially true when it comes to the expression of political beliefs. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Can activist judges be stopped, or will they continue to overturn laws with no regard for the Constitution or the will of the people? Connect with us at phyllisschlafly.com to hear alerts on rulings made by never-elected supremacist judges and to share your viewpoint. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. 
Uh, thank you, as always. A week is wrapping up. It's great to be uh, on again. It's been fun. I've heard from a lot of you. Uh, if you go over to ProAmericaReport.com, you can uh, contact me through the website there. Uh, folks on social media, my direct messages are open uh, at Eagle Ed Martin as well as Ed Martin Live on Facebook. So thank you, everybody. That's been nice to encourage me as we come back. It's been um, it's been a great uh it's been a great week to get back in the saddle. A lot going on, of course, and uh, we've got a lot more. So uh, that's uh, hey. One thing I do want to encourage you, you know, that we do the last segment here. What what you need to do? I do think that we have to continue uh, this awareness of the problem of big tech. You know, I talk about the narrative machine all the time, and you know we haven't. I was away when when Newsmax, I think it was Newsmax, got or no, uh, no. Are you there? Is it One America News or Newsmax that's getting? It's One America News, right? It's They're One America News, yeah. Uh, Terrible, you know, pulling them for unknown reasons from their lineup after the contract expires. It, it it's ludicrous. Yeah. Well, and as I was saying to Dan Gaynor earlier, um, when you use that, when you do something legal, but the the, the reason you do it is is. Uh, is damaging to our nation. So, for example, it's legal for DirecTV to say, I don't want to contract with you. Just like, you know, uh, you could go down and say, I want to buy a car, and the guy could say, I don't want to sell you a car, or you could, whatever. But so, but you watch this and you say, what are they doing here? So One American News is getting knocked off DirecTV. That's a big problem, right, for them. Their business model needed it because most of the cable networks, if you want to get on regular cable, you got to pay to get in the system. You're not getting paid because you're not big enough. So DirecTV, though, was one of the ones I know this because I actually talked to the, the herrings that run One American News probably five or seven years ago about their business model. So, well, Ed, my real point quickly, here is I know we're running listen- out of time, but they said yeah. they did an internal assessment um, of you know the contract and you know One American News. Did they do this with Fox News? news did they do this with any of their other you know news channels uh my guess is no yeah i agree no i i I, why would that right exactly so but back to finish we just got a couple seconds listening to dan gainer we have to start to ramp up our understanding of the problem because we're going to find ourselves beaten our voices held back and then saying, oh, that didn't work out, uh, you know, after the fact. So we're going to come back to that. Anyway, I'm, I'm out of time. But thank you, Noah Dingley. Uh, great segment today, Noah Says, as well as great work. Joanna Spilger helps us uh, get these great guests. And everybody for listening, please visit ProAmericaReport.com. And we'll be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Talk to you then. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.